Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a friend, Caitlin Lilly. Met her through a community of women. Um, somehow, yeah, I honestly don't even know how we met. We met online first, I think, and then at our friend's baby blessing. And, yeah, I, um, I actually remember our very first interaction was at the experience where you had your little like fairy skirt on and uh -huh. I, I I came up to you for support with something. I can't remember exactly what it was. I don't remember what we talked about. I just remember your skirt, your fairy skirt, <laughs> and that your your energy felt like really nurturing and sweet and mm. open. Oh, thank you. That's such a, yeah, it's so beautiful that you remember that. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, as of lately, Caitlin has been doing a lot of work around relationships. She's now a relationship coach and she helps women and couples communicate vulnerably so they can experience deeper connection and have better sex. Um, and she's, she's just really putting herself out there on Instagram and sharing her own story talking about the things that people don't talk about in real time, you know, not just concepts, but like, this is the situation and this is what you do. And I think we need more of that because it's so nice to read a quote, but then like, what's that quote going to do when you're right in the middle of a, <laughs> of a moment of like not feeling right, like comfortable totally. or, or like not getting what you want? Like, how do you, how do you do that? So, so yeah, big shout out to you for, for putting your voice out mm. there like that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So let's, um, maybe let's just start with how did you get into that? How did you find yourself uh, supporting women and, and relationships? Yeah. So when I started coaching, I started working with moms that, you know, I, I've, um, I have two kids, they are 16 and six. And I had my, my oldest when I was 19. And so when I started getting into coaching, it just kind of felt like the natural um, path to, to support moms in, in like, um, putting their own needs first and really like seeing themselves outside of motherhood, like finding their own womanhood outside of motherhood. Um, but after, yeah, some time doing that, I realized that anytime the relationship would get brought up, that that was actually the thing that I felt really excited about and like wanted to support women with. Um, but I had a lot of friends who were intimacy coaches. And so I was like, oh, I got Oh, like, you know, lots of like imposter syndrome. And so I think I was kind of like doing it without calling myself that. Um, and then ultimately, I started working with a business coach and she gave me this challenge to just like fully try it on for either like three months or six months. I can't remember, but she's like, just try it on. And within like a week, I was like, oh, no, this is it. This is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah, now I'm remembering when you were focusing on moms. Mm. Um you mentioned, you know, oh, I, I forgot the words that you just used, but something about, you know, helping, yeah, helping moms connect to their womanhood. So what was your own journey with that being a, a single mom? Yeah. So I'd say, you know, when I had Roman so young, I really felt like I had to prove that I was like a good mom. 
And like, I feel like already people would see me as like a 21 year old with a two year old, or, you know, when he started kindergarten, I was 24. And so I always kind of felt like people already had this preconceived notion that I, I was a bad mom. And so I really like threw myself into um, like putting him first or putting the bake sale first or putting the jogathon first or putting, you know, just like all the things that would, um, um, get rid of like judgments, I guess. I'm not, I'm not quite sure like what the thought process was at the time, but it really got to a point where like all I did was work. I, I used to work in um, pediatrics for 10 years. So like literally all I did was work and, and take care of, of Roman. And, uh, and I was married at the time as well. And so like, you know, on the weekends when he, when Roman would be with his dad, like I was just so overwhelmed. I would literally just like lay in bed in the dark all weekend. Like I couldn't even like get up and, and do anything fun or restorative. I was just so, um, constantly operating past my max capacity that I would need to like lay in, in ultimate silence and dark just to get my nervous system somewhat regulated. And so over the next few years, like, well, then I had Ella and then we, we got divorced um, two years later when she was two. And so then I was like, hey, like my life's not really working that well. And there has to be like more fun, passion, like there has to be more than just being, being, um, this stressed all the time. And so I really started exploring like personal development and, and like, what do I want to do? And like, um, setting boundaries and like saying like, Hey, like I need to, I need a babysitter. Like, it's okay to get a babysitter. It's okay to have like community support. And so like, um, yeah, just over the last, I think it's been about four or five years, like on this personal development journey, it's just been like slowly reincorporating things that felt nourishing for me. So I don't need to lay in the dark for 48 hours to, to recover. And um, yeah, I felt this like pendulation over the last year where I think maybe a year ago or so I was like really like putting myself so, so first and now um, I feel like I'm pendulating back a little bit where I'm still putting myself first. But like now that I really know how to set boundaries, like I don't need to set them so, so hard. Um, I'm like yeah. feeling them be more flexible and like, yes, I can do that. I didn't want to do that last week, but I can do it today. And, and things are just feeling like more flexible, more flowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's like that the the pendulum right like sometimes we need to go to the extreme to be able to integrate that and and totally. have more structure like almost like the strict structure helps us have the structure mm-hmm. and then we've it, we've become comfortable with that and it's like okay I can go back to the middle of the pendulum with this part that I wasn't comfortable with before yeah I heard it explained a really interesting way of like um sometimes when you're learning how to do something you need like it's like the training wheels like you need to have it like really firm so because you don't know how to do it on your own yet you don't know how to like you know be balanced on the bike just yet so you need those training wheels there like the really firm boundaries and then now that I feel more comfortable within them like I can take the the firmness off and just let it be a little softer so I now I feel yeah centered in my bike (laughs) yeah oh I love that so when it came to dating after um after you got a divorce, 
I'm assuming naturally um, fears came up, right? About having kids and putting yourself out there. Yeah. I, yeah. What was, what was that like for you? Yeah. So I didn't date for two years after my divorce, like two full years. I was like, fuck that. Um, like not doing that again. Um, my marriage. Yeah. We were married for 10 years and it was difficult. Like I, I had no skills. I mean, I, I truly like bless both of our hearts. Like I have no idea how we made it work that long. I had like no skills around self-regulation, communication, boundaries, expression. Like I, I, um, but when we got divorced, I knew, I didn't know like what I wanted, but I knew I didn't want that. And so I really took two years and, you know, I started um, exploring like in some different women's groups and, and like seeing just kind of like trying on some new things. And then, yeah, when I started dating, it was almost like, um, almost like not against my will, but I was like, okay, I guess I'll just start dating. But like, I really wasn't that excited about it. I actually signed up for this group program that was about dating. And I remember I had a call with her um, before it started. And I was like, if I need to, if dating is a requirement of this program, I'm not taking it. And she was like, <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Do you remember what were the things that were like, scary at the time or resistant or you were resistant to at the time? I, well, the reason I started working with her is because she talked about like hating men and, and working on like your hatred of men. And I was like, I don't hate men. And then, you know, I started like reading more of her stuff and I was like, oh, I hate men. Like, I really hate them. Like, I, I think that they, I, at the time thought that they were, you know, um, incompetent and unable to lead and unable to plan and unable to make decisions. And um, so I think that when I saw those posts from her, I was like, and, and I was like seeing her post about her relationship and her um, relationships to, to men, even like platonically, I was like, hey, like, I really want that there. I, I see, I see that she's creating something different. And so like I had said before, I knew I didn't want the same thing. So I'm like, okay, let me just sign up for this course. And I think, um, yeah, there was a lot of fears of like, um, you know, like being vulnerable and like expressing myself and, and saying what I want and um, expressing desires. Like these were all really new concepts to me. I then started taking this other course at the same time that was about desire and pleasure and expression. And so um, there was like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I like this felt so scary to try this stuff on um, with men. But then as I kind of just started trying on some like more basic concepts, um, I was like, yeah, like this is actually like they, they, they were so receptive, like the men that I got matched up with, like I, I was, um, I was on hinge. And so doing lots of like online dating and, and it was all like great and sweet. And I learned so mm. much. And yeah. What are some um, of the things you were trying and, and like getting, yeah. So I remember now. like um, the very first date that I went on, like as I had first started dating again, um, 
I asked if he was willing to plan it and that like I would love to receive that from him, which felt, you know, usually like I planned everything in my marriage. Like I was definitely holding the masculine pole and he was in the like, yes, whatever pole. And so I asked if he'd plan it and he did. And he we had a picnic. He cooked everything. He brought these little like chicken wings and like chocolate covered almonds and he brought a chair and all these things. So the date went great. And at the end, he said, I would love to do this again. Um, I'll reach out. And I was like, okay, great. Didn't reach out for probably a month. And what I was trying on there was like, um, holding the sensation of not reaching out. Mm, yeah, of can, like, you ta- can you explain what that means? Yeah. So like I was so uncomfortable. My body was so uncomfortable because he said he was going to reach out and he didn't. And I'm like, why? Like, was he pretending? Like, what does this mean about me? Like, um, maybe I, I, I don't know how to date. And so when I say like holding the sensation, like that's, it creates so much discomfort in your body. And so typically then what we do is we'll reach out just to dissipate the discomfort that we're feeling. Um, you know, so I was like, no, like, I'm okay. I can hold this. Like he said, he was going to reach out and, and it wasn't like, there can be a difference of like playing a game, you know, but I was like very, very clear. I was like, I'm not playing a game. We had a very clear agreement. He said, I will reach out right. and I'm going to just, pra- I'm going to just use this as practice. I'm going to just use this opportunity to practice being uncomfortable and um, not, not like gripping, right? Not being like, oh, hey, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> um, and so I did not reach out in about a month later he texted me and he said I'm so sorry um I I was actually you know there was someone else that I had been dating and right around the time of our date she and I decided to become more exclusive and I see that I could have just said that but I I liked you and so I felt uncomfortable and um yeah I really enjoyed our time together and uh, you know wish you well and I was like oh okay (laughs) and it was just like it's always just such a good reminder it's like literally never about you it's so hard not to make it about you but it's never about you and so that was like um yeah it was like a it was such a perfect first date because it actually like felt so good and it it was fun and sweet and then it also gave me the the practice there of of right. holding that discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that you know that's what I love about the community of women we're in that it's like or or just those who are willing like you to just use the little experiences as opportunities and as um as just relevant, you know, to teach you the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So it's like you got to practice, you got to see your limiting beliefs come up. You got to then receive vulnerability from him. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's interesting that that concept of, you know, like holding everything that you, that you want to get rid of and how important it is to feel it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that in your marriage, you didn't have any tools for self-regulation. So 
like, I, yeah, that, that kind of sounds similar. What does it actually mean to self-regulate in a relationship? Mm. Yeah, there, it was when I, well, I can kind of say what my opposite experience was first. So like, I, I did not, um, let's see, let me, let me feel into what I want to say for a second. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that it was explosive in the sense of like throwing things and, and, you know, like, but the, the emotions were very explosive. Like my, um, the way that I've heard it explained, like the way that my therapist, the therapist I've seen how explained it to me, like how I can be sometimes is when something happens, the current situation takes up the whole screen and it's all I can see. And it can be um, difficult sometimes in certain scenarios to shrink it down and be able to see everything else that this person is, all the evidence that you have of other ways that they are um, on the screen. So like and as a defense, so, like you feel threatened? Yeah. Got it. And so, you know, there was a lot of like, um, I had no sense of personal responsibility. I was like, everything is his fault. Um, so like, it was very difficult. It's very difficult to regulate if you can't see your part. Um, yeah, so like no sense of personal responsibility. Um, no, I had a very difficult time like letting things go and like letting them be done um, so that we could move on. I mean, there would be times it, where we wouldn't speak like for weeks. And one of the things that I really did was like withhold love um, to like, you know, teach a lesson. And um, yeah, that did not work. <laughs> uh -huh. And so, you know, now what I, what I see is like, community support is so important in a relationship to to not only rely on the person that you're in partnership with to give any type of like um, emotional support. So it's like one, like having your own tools to regulate, like, um, you know, doing like an, doing a cold shower or doing breath work or humming, you know, it like stimulates your vagus nerve, just like finding different tools to actually um, calm your body down. And then also just having like sisterhood support is so important because often women want their, um, their partners, especially like their male partners to essentially like be their sister. <laughs> mm -hmm. And men are not, not built for that. Like it's twofold. Like one, men are not built for that. And two, we can't rely on one person to fulfill all of our um, communal needs. Right. And so like yeah. I, I now I, I didn't have like, of course I had friends at the time when I was married, but I didn't have women who would like hold me accountable help me see my part. Like, you know, I don't want to say like hold my hand to the fire might be a little extreme, but like I have sisters now who are like, Hey, like I see how you're being. Are you open to, to a reflection? And, um, and it's just so helpful to have women in your lives who will, um, support your relationship, not, you know, not doing the whole like sex in the city thing where you go to breakfast and, and you all talk about how shitty the men in your lives are, but you like celebrate your, your relationships or say, Hey, we're really struggling here. Like, can you help me see my part or what are you seeing? Um, it's just so important. Wow. 
that right there is like a golden tip. Like, can you just ask your friends, can you help me see my part? Yeah. <gasps> Whoa, that's, that's huge. Cause you know, as someone who is, uh, you know, uh, self-proclaimed, proclaimed commitment phobe, I, I can so relate to what you're saying on so many levels, but differently because I, I didn't have any approval for my anger like expressed towards the men. I would just take it to my friends and, and share how angry I was to my friends. Mm. Um, but with the men, my nervous system, like you said, it was just like, I, like there was something that just didn't feel safe. And, and so that's all I could see, like obsess about, you know, what they said or what they did that to me, it's like, oh no, that means that he doesn't really like me. Um, and I would just shut down to the point that I like breaking up was the only thing that would calm me down. Yeah. Um, and I love that you mentioned, you know, doing things to the body because you said, you know, if you're seeing what's what, like, how are they doing something wrong and not what your part is, then you can't really calm down. But then yeah. at the same time, <laughs> you can calm down in order to be more rational, right? Yes. It's, it's so cool how it works both ways. And you're a breathwork facilitator. So I'm sure you see, you see it on both ends too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And one of the other things that, that you just said that reminded me that's that I've been really um, doing both with myself and with my clients a lot lately is, um, is this specific to him? So like how you said you have, you know, you, you're a self-proclaimed um, commitment phobe. So maybe it's like, oh, he, um, he asked me to plan a trip in six months and that feels really scary. So like, I think the problem is him. I'm questioning their relationship because I don't want to go on a trip with him in six months. So then what I ask is like, oh, is this specific to him? So if I look at like, okay, do I want to plan a workshop for my business in six months? No, that feels scary too. Then that's like, oh, this isn't specific to him. This is me. Like mm -hmm. if it's showing up in different areas, it can yeah. be, that can just be so helpful because sometimes it, it can be difficult to um, differentiate between your anxiety and your intuition. Right. So it's like, oh, my gosh, Whoa. I think there's something wrong with this man because I don't want to be with him in six months. So it's him. But it's like, no, it's it's probably me. <laughs> not always, not always. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah that but it's specific safe. to it's, him. Yeah. Is... I don't remember who mentioned this about like someone who takes personal responsibility 100 percent of the time. I don't remember who someone someone big in, in the personal development world. But yeah, they were saying they take personal responsibility 100% of the time. And honestly, like even if it's intuition, I think seeing your part is still the, what matters, right? Like we're still experiencing something in ourselves regardless to what, right? Like what are their intentions or who they are or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know if I've reached a hundred percent yet, but yeah, same. I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I know that you help women commute, like do their best, right. At, at communicating in those spots vulnerably with men. So what are, what are some of those tools, for example, you know, if, if you're in that spot of, of wanting something that your partner isn't giving you, what are some of those tools you share to, to share desires in a way that feels good? Yeah. So the, f the first thing that I usually work on with women is um, like I said before about like the holding more sensation in their body, because what I've actually found is that no matter how many tools you have, if you can't 
be with the experience, um, you're actually not going to be able to to do it. So like first thing we usually work on is is kind of starting off with like some some smaller things that are uncomfortable with them, whether it's with their partner or with friends or even um, I sometimes have um, clients start off like with strangers, like asking at the grocery store, um, would you would you mind helping me out to my car or, or just think like, could, would you mind helping me put the groceries in the car? And yeah, it's fine. so uncomfortable. <laughs> it is so uncomfortable, but sometimes it can be um, just easier to practice with strangers. And what I find with um, just holding this sensation, it's like our body. Um, it doesn't really matter who it is. Like as long as we are practicing expanding our ability around it, then then our body is just able to do it. So I usually have them start off with sisters or with strangers. And then, um, yeah, when they feel ready to to start bringing this to their partner, what I really like to have them do is get opt-in before having the conversation. And I would say that this is probably like one of the, the most important things to do is to say, you know, hey, tonight I there I was hoping um, we could have a conversation about our trip that's coming up next week. Can you let me know when would be a good time for you to do that? And the reason that I have them start off with this is because it just sets everyone up for just so much more success. As opposed to like if you're sitting down at your laptop and I'm like, hey, so about the trip next week, I'm feeling kind of worried. It's just like, whoa, what? Like, yeah. I, it's like you're not available. I didn't get your yes, and then, and then you're not going to meet me with the response that I'm looking for, and then I'm going to be upset with you. Um, so yeah, always have them start off with opt-in, and then saying like either when would be a good time for you to discuss this, or like is now a good time for you to talk about this, and then um, yeah, just starting off by like sharing their feelings, like hey, I'm feeling so sad that, that you know, we're driving up towards Northern California and my mom's only like 20 minutes off the freeway. And, you know, I know you said you didn't want to do it, but I'm feeling really sad about it. I would really love to see my mom. It would just have me feel really connected to her. Is it possible for us to, to make that work? And I really like to, to, to have, for me, me, myself and my clients, like to just share fully from personal responsibility of like my feelings, how I feel that we're not, you know, being able to stop to see my mom, how it would have me feel to her, and then making the request, can we make this work? Mm -hmm. um, so rather than like, you know, coming to you, dumping on you, you're in the middle of work. Hey, I want to talk about this. You never make my family a priority and we're going to see your parent, like, those two two conversations are going to produce such different results. Right. Do you find that a lot of your clients are doing the first of just like dumping and yes, and sweet, really? Hmm. I I would say that like um, there most most everyone is missing step one, which is the opt in. The opt in, and I'd say that yeah. like. It's just like most people in general, like I was never taught to get opt in for a conversation or you just text a friend in like the middle of a work day, like some six paragraph essay about how much you hate your job with like no, no awareness of if they're even available to read that. That's a lot 
it's kind of shocking on the system to just open up your phone and not have said yes to receiving any of this information. And it like yanks you out of your world into their world. And yes, of course, we can have our own tools to keep ourselves regulated and not get yanked. But like at the same time, I just think it's really respectful of the other person to to just like get their yes before because maybe they'll say, I'm no, I, you know, I'd love to hear about it tonight, but I can't talk about it right now. So I'd say like most people in general miss miss opt-in and just kind of dump. Mm. Yeah. And like I'm I'm noticing where I, for example, like receive the dump or even just even like for me, affection. Sometimes I'm like not in in the space for affection. Um, but I, I my my first thought is how, is thinking about the other person. And it's something that I've, you know, been reversing throughout the years. Um, but even receiving that. Um, yeah, I just notice how there's so much to communicate around that, too, like on the receiving end. Just mm-hmm. asking, you know, hey, like, will you ask me for that next time? Or even just how to how to say I'm not available, even when they're not asking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned the like the blowing up and and, you know, being uh, that kind of of a person sometimes. And and I, I, I personally, I went through a process of like blowing up everywhere and then repressing the anger and now having a new relationship with the anger. But still the blow up comes up. And part of the process is is accepting that too. Um, Mm -hmm. and letting people know, Hey, by the way, like sometimes my sword comes out. Like sometimes I like, it's like, Oh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like when, when you have an animal and you're just petting them and then they bite you out of nowhere. Right. Like they were so cuddly. Why are they biting you? Um, and so it's, yeah, for me, it's been a process of also letting people know, Hey, sometimes I might react because Mm -hmm. you're penit. Like, yeah, you're literally like entering, something that I didn't give you permission to and I didn't feel safe and that that's totally. the way that I responded yeah yeah and like with that analogy with the animals it's like okay if it may seem like they're just you know cuddly and just sitting there but like I bet if there was a recording and we went went back and watched the last 15 minutes there probably were signs that we missed so it's yeah. like oh you know was there a tail I'm not super familiar with animals, to be honest, but like, was their tail down? Did their ears, you know, go up? And, and so for myself, like, I've, I've really been trying to like track the pattern lately to those kinds of like, explosions that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, what happened? Not because like, lately, like, I've been not just going one step back, but I'm like, oh, let me actually go like six steps back. Because sometimes we're like, oh, this one thing happened and then I got upset. But Mm -hmm. usually if we Mm -hmm. sit with it and really look at it more, there actually is probably five or six step pattern that that occurred to get us to that point. And since the, the first five, six things were small, we didn't notice them. But if you like kind of start noticing, okay, every Thursday, every Thursday at dinner, I freak out. And just start noticing like, okay, what, what happens on, what happens on Wednesday morning, like taking it like so far back and like, we might find like, okay, like on Wednesday afternoon, I have no break in between these two calls. And then, you know, my partner always wants to connect before like, there's, there's probably so many little things that are leading to that point. If we, if we look. 
Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I can think of it even just like physical symptoms. I'm noticing just even how my stomach like feels tight when I'm, mm -hmm. yeah. When I'm in those moments of thinking too much about the other person and not myself and yeah. um, not communicating what I need to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also speaking of the affection, like the, the way that I like to look at it, you know, cause you said sometimes it's hard for you to say when, um, affection that you're not available for is given. Yeah, which um, is like edgy, you know, cause it's like someone's coming for love and, and like, I love as children, there's so much unapologeticness about it. It's just like, yes. yuck, don't touch me right now. Yeah. But but as an adult, it's like, oh, am I really going to reject someone who's just trying to be, you know, loving? Like, oh, God, this is so uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it is so uncomfortable. And like how I like to look at it, what's been helpful for me is like, OK, a boundary is simply a, a limit that I'm setting to take care of myself and to um, prevent resentment from building up. So if I look at it like, oh, okay, I'm going to like put up this wall so that this person will just like back way up, then maybe that feels kind of shitty. But if I'm like, okay, um, you know, I had this thing with my daughter where she was in this licking phase and she kept like licking my my face and I was like, okay, honey. <laughs> so and I noticed that I was like feeling resentment when she was doing it. And so like I had to set this really firm boundary with her um, around it. And but it was to maintain connection. It was because like I didn't want to be upset with her or like feel like yeah, my, my body, it just made my body feel so gross. And and then it made me not want to be around her even more. And so when you just look at a boundary as like its intention is to um, maintain connection, then it feels much easier to set. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's so good. I had trauma with my mom where she, mm -hmm. yeah, like I was, I, I had this period of time where I would squeeze the air out of her with my hug. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just this one time when she snapped and yeah, I just took it as like, it's not okay to be affectionate. I yeah. can't express my love. Yeah. But I, I, I did have an experience with a, with a guy where he went kinky in our, in our sex, like very soon. And it was just, I need to feel really comfortable with someone to get into that, you know? And mm -hmm. so I had to tell him like, Hey, um, I actually need a little more time to do that. You know? And I, and I, I like to explore different kinds of, of, se of sex, not just kinky sex. Um, mm -hmm. would it be okay if, you know, would it be okay with you tonight? We actually didn't, you know, get into any roles or, or talk in, in certain ways and just connected, you know, with, without any words. Mm -hmm. Um, and telling him, you know, I'd, I'd actually like for you to give me words of affection. Like that's what would feel good today. Yes. And yeah, those are the kind of things that a lot of people don't communicate, especially in sex. Definitely. Yeah. I love talking about what type of sex do we want to have today beforehand. Okay. Now it's not like every single time, you know, it's like sometimes it can just flow and, and be natural. But I find that like, yeah, often people want different things. And so if like the example you just gave, like if he's wanting kinky sex and you're wanting sweet sex, you guys are not going to have 
an amazing experience. You're both going to be wanting something different. So there is, there's like two, there's one conversation that's more, that's fuller. It's like the conscious sex conversation where you're talking about, you know, boundaries and desires and what type of aftercare you need and what meaning you're putting on your connection. But there's there for, for more established partnerships, there's also like a, just a shorter where you can just ask one question, like what type of sex um, are you wanting to have tonight? Mm. And um, yeah, it just like, it, it takes the guesswork out of it. It can really support you also in just staying in your body because you're not in your head like, oh gosh, is he going to get the, the restraints out? And like, I, I just really want him to be sweet. And just talking about it beforehand is such a good tool to support you in like staying in your body and not in your head. Oh God. It's like, that's the, the being in the body is, is so much of an answer than we realize, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like all the it seems like all the challenges we have in relationships, like if you were to check in with your body, the body was not actually regulated. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're like worried that he's gonna, you know, bring the hot wax out, you're going to be bracing. Right. Yeah. And so you, you said that the, that this first dating program that you did something that called you in was how much um, she was talking about hating men. Mm. And I know that that's now something you feel really passionate about, right? Like yes. teaching to women to to have, to open their minds, open their hearts, stop hating men. What, what was kind of, what were, what, what happened really like your latest aha moments around that, where you really decided like, wow, I'm, I'm really opening up here and changing my perspective. Mm. Yeah, I would say like when I when I um started with her, like I it it was it was so eye-opening to me to to see how guarded I am with men all the time. Like I'm like constantly assuming that they are going to like assault me or grab me or um you know, say something disgusting to me or make me uncomfortable. And I was really like on high alert, like at all times. And so when I, when I uh, started shifting around this, I was like, oh, actually like most men are safe. Like I'd say probably like 98% (laughs) of men actually are safe. And when I am, um, trusting their best intentions like they're you know they they're afraid of getting it wrong and and in our society like they already feel wrong all the time and so like they're just nervous and like they're most of the time like just really trying to be sweet or when they say something I'm like oh he's not he's not like you know, the guy at Starbucks that maybe is like, wow, your necklace matches your eyes. I'm like, <laughs> before I would just be like, what? Like, I just had this like, so, like, this like, disgusted look on my face. Like, why are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you need? Oh, and- God, yeah. Or like, for me, it would be like, are you trying to have sex with me? Like, just straight there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, you wish like my entire <laughs> Like really come on. Yeah. And 
and now when I can meet that with like, oh, thank you. And with like, um, you know, just like genuine gratitude and the way that like their faces light up when they're received. I think that they're so used to like not being received because we shut them down like so immediately and with such totality um, that it's it it's kind of. um yeah, I don't want to say it's heartbreaking because I like that's like putting, you know, I don't want to put them in, in victim, but like I just, I'm like, oh, I just wish there was like more re- receptivity. And so, yeah, it's like one of the, one of the things that I really work on with, with my clients is just like not, um, just being, just like assuming their best intentions, like not shutting them down. We work a lot on like emasculating their partners um, by like cutting them off or um, speaking down to them or taking tasks away from them that they already asked them to do because they think they're incompetent to complete them. And just how like over time it just chips so far away at their um, confidence and and like their yeah their confidence in like providing and and doing things and and then like yeah they don't really want to do anything for you anymore if you're not mm-hmm. receiving it yeah it's interesting i've read a lot about how um you know like studies are never like fully real but people say like studies show that yeah. that men like the, the the one of the biggest reasons that dating is so you know dysfunctional right now is because men are scared of being rejected and mm-hmm. so it's it's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Because women are complaining that men aren't pursuing, but men are afraid that they're being rejected. And I, and I don't even think, I don't think it's just rejection. I think it's what you're talking about. Like, I think it's also just not being received because it, there's it's one thing to say, no, I don't want to go out with you. And it's another to say like, ew, why are you talking to me? Totally. Yeah. I, I actually um had this example recently that it wasn't directly about dating, but I really saw the like masculine and energy, um, the masculine and feminine energies here. So my six-year-old asked my brother uh, if he wanted a bracelet, if she could make him a bracelet. And he was like, no, I'm good. And so then she was like, oh, okay. And then a few minutes later, she's like, do you want a gumball? And he was like, no, thanks. And she was like, oh, okay. And then a few minutes later, she's like, do you maybe want to just put a gumball in your pocket and take it to work? And he was like, no, I'm good. And so in this scenario, she was in the masculine energy of giving, which like automatically puts him in the feminine energy of receiving. And I could see like, I could see both parts so clearly, like in his mind, it was like, oh, like no, I don't want to take her bracelet supplies. She just started making these new bracelets so she can save them for her friends. And like her gumball machine was a Christmas present. So like you Mm -hmm. save them for you, right? Like he, he felt he was being kind and she felt so rejected. She's like, oh, I just want to give this to you. And men or the person holding the masculine energy in the relationship, like really do get filled up by giving and receiving our gratitude. So if she was like, do you want a bracelet? And he was like, oh, yeah, thank you so much. And like, do you want a gumball? Like, yeah, man, a gumball sounds great. Thank you so much. She would have been so happy. But it like really hurt her to not be received. And that's, you know, what happens so often both in dating and in, you know, partnership is like we're so women typically are so consistently being like, no, it's okay. I got it. No worries. 
no, thank you. I'm okay. I got it. And, and it's like, yes, you do have it. Like, yes, you can do it. Of course you're capable and strong and you can do all these things. And also you are like shutting him down because he gets so filled up by giving to you. Mm. Yeah. And, and it changes your energy, right? I was just talking to a friend who her complaint was not men never came up to her. Um, so like she'd only date on dating apps cause you know, they'd match. And so then that's the only way they talk. And as she has allowed herself to receive more men are mm. approaching more because it's changing mm. her energy. Right. And so many guys are like intimidated to, to approach the, the woman who can do it all. And, and that shows up energetically. It's not even something that you have to right? like actively 100%. do. It just, it just changes your energy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Men, men did not approach me for many, many years. <laughs> I very much had the can do it all energy. So I get that. Yeah. Well, you know, the, y you said something so powerful, which is, you know, relating to men as if they had a, a good intention. Mm. Um, so it's really creating them to be who you want them to be. Yeah. And that can take a lot, you know, because I mean, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know the trauma you've been through, the the evidence you have against that. It can be so hard, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah. So, I mean, this, I'm sure this is a really long answer, but, <laughs> but what do you have to say about your process in, in healing that so that you could actually be in that, in that place? Mm. Well, been in therapy. <laughs> And but also truly like what's been the most healing for me is just having evidence to the contrary of what I believed beforehand. And like I just I just needed like new evidence. I had so much evidence that they were bad, that they were going to assault me. Like I have been sexually assaulted. Like I have been, you know, all the things that men can do. So I had a very strong evidence. Um that those things can happen and they do. And so like slowly over time, um, just building new evidence of like, oh, like this man did say something nice and like he didn't follow me to my car. Okay, like that's cool. And like, or, you know, I can have this conversation with this man at a coffee shop and like he he didn't need to like ask for my number at the end like he could just have an exchange with me and oh okay so like really yeah there's been so much and like getting reflections from other women and you know being able to express myself and be received like but but at at its core really what it was was i was just collecting new evidence is mm -hmm. what supported me in in healing that Oof, that like there are who are good yeah I love that because also it's like you're getting something out out of each, right? If you want to believe one thing, then you're going to stay safe, but then you're never going to get the relationship to men that you want or to people. It's, so it's like the scary but courageous, powerful thing to do to just see the world differently. Yeah. And, you know, like I talked about with that first date of like using him, not using him, but like using it as a practice of like, nope, like I said, I'm not going to reach out. So I'm just going to practice holding this. I, I, I really have been like just kind of using the world, using just my relationship to the world as practice to to receive receive the evidence of like, okay, I I am going to practice this with this person. Um 
or like I'm yeah I'm gonna practice having a desire received or I'm gonna practice um asking if he's available to just listen and not fix and and like oh yes he can do that check okay check 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 and yeah I think mm -hmm. ultimately after you know I don't I don't know it really only took a couple months for me to like start shifting but just like yeah as I just like slowly started getting more and more and more evidence I've done um yeah I've done like a pretty like a 360 like I'm like okay I've like totally shifted now or I like trust tr just like trust their intentions and you know it's funny I talked about the following me to the car like that always used to be a big fear of mine of like, okay, I'm going to be followed. And, and I, that, that never happened to me specifically, but I always had a big fear around it. And now I find that actually like when I see, when I'm out and I see men are around, I actually feel safer. I'm like, oh, they'll protect me mm -hmm. if something happens. Like if that 1% of men who are, 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 are potentially unsafe because there are just people who are unsafe, I'm so yeah. glad these other men are here because then I'll be protected. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What a turnaround. Such a I, I, for real. No, and and like I, I I've had a ex, like in the, in the past years, I've had experiences of of also seeing you know different evidence in men, and what that provided for me was showing me where I wasn't setting boundaries, where I was in valuing myself, and so you know certain harmful situations were happening, but I was seeing more just how I was responsible for them. You know, where, where was I saying yes when I wanted to say no? Where was I mm -hmm. reaching for someone that wasn't um, pursuing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before you get to talk about your offer, I know you have an awesome program that you wanted to invite um, women to. I have one more question because we're, yeah, I just saw that we're wrapping up. This conversation has flown by. <laughs> yeah. What is the latest vulnerable truth that you've shared that you loved the impact that you're like, wow, how cool was that, that I shared this and this is what happened? Mm. Okay. Wow. I'm going to have to search for that one for a sec. Let's <laughs> yeah. See. Take a moment. Yeah, this this was not the most recent one, but it's just the the one that's that's coming to mind. Um I I had this experience where I shared with a man that I had a desire for him to take me out on a date and he was like, "Yeah. Let's do it." We exchanged numbers and he said, um, yeah, this is like an interesting one because I'm like, oh, this is so similar to the other one. He said, I will reach out tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. So I think we were meant to go on the day on Sunday and this we met each other on fr Friday. Okay. Friday night goes by. We had exchanged numbers and I'm so sure that he's going to be like, it was so nice meeting you. Can't wait for Sunday, you know, or some something. He doesn't say anything. And I'm like, huh, ouch. Okay. I'm just like being entitled to his time. And like, there's no problems. He said he would reach out like he will. Saturday morning goes by. Saturday afternoon goes by. Saturday night goes by. He still hasn't said anything. And I'm like, what is happening? And so then... um, <laughs> Sunday morning, so the day of when we're supposed to have the date, I I spoke to a friend about it and I was like, 
you know what? I have his number. Like I'm empowered. I'm just going to reach out to him and say like, looking forward to seeing you tonight or something. And she was like, no, that's not the thing that feels off. And like, what do you actually want him to know? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, I feel I'm hurt. I feel sad that he said he was going to reach out and he didn't. And she's like, that's the thing. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I, so I, you know, took my own advice. I got his opt-in. I texted him and I said, hey, I, I would love to share something with you. Can you let me know when you're available to receive it? He texted me back instantly. He's like, yeah, I'm available to receive it. And I said, I, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, you know, this fe- this feels embarrassing because we literally like spoke for two minutes, but I feel really hurt that you said you were going to reach out and you didn't. And he sent back this whole message about how he went straight to a birthday party Friday night. The event that we were at had gone late. He's like, I went straight to a birthday party. And then Saturday he led a um, plant uh, plant medicine ceremony. And, and then he got home, he like led that all day, got home late. And he's, and that he, he saw that he was out of integrity, didn't do what he said he was going to do. He apologized. Like, this is not how he wants to be with women. And thank you for calling him forward. And like, he so enjoyed meeting me and like the, you know, it's like this, this whole exchange. And, um, I, again, really saw how like, okay, this was not about me. Like, I was like, did he meet another woman at the event? Is he taking her out on Sunday? Like, I was like, am I like, is my phone not working? Like, what the fuck is happening? And then I'm like, oh, he's just like living his life. Like he was into birthday party. He, he had work, like he led something on a Saturday. And then ultimately what he said was, um, you know, I'm really seeing that actually between that event and then the, the ceremony, like I'm, I have passed my capacity for connection. And so it, I don't think we um, should go out tonight because how I want to be with you is present. And I can see that I'm not going to be able to show up that way. And it was just like, so it just actually, that actually felt better to receive than the date to just be like, I want to be present with you and I can't be. So never mind. I don't want to do it. Oh my God. Guys, I wish you could see my face like during, (laughs) during Caitlin telling this whole story. I'm like, literally just like, oh, making so many face expressions. Wow. The yeah, fact and like that, that would have turned better to receive than the date. Yeah, and like if I would have been like, "Hey, looking forward to tonight," like it just it really wasn't the thing. That wasn't what was alive for me. I had been sad about it for like a day and a half now, and how my honesty, like that was the again like holding the sensation of sharing that, led to such a beautiful connection. Yeah. And um, maybe if I had said looking forward to it, he would have been like same. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then maybe he could have gone, it would have been off. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was very sweet. That's so powerful. I mean, I, I can't tell you the amount of friends and people I know that 
don't say anything because it's like, well, if he really cared, this is what he would have mm -hmm. done. Or if she really cared, like even, you know, it's also guys that guy friends that say that, but there's so much medicine in the conversation and that could even yeah. be better than the freaking date. It, like, absolutely. You got so much from that. Like, he, you know, yeah. he, he really poured, like he really was like so open with you in that and honored you. Totally. And I was like, oh, this is also just like, gonna be so supportive for him with other women he was yeah. like he said like this isn't how I want to be with women and I was out of integrity and thank you for calling me forward and I'm like man I have like no idea how this conversation is going to impact his future relationships truly mm, beautiful Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you. Yeah. And thank you for pouring into this episode. I'm, I feel so turned on. I'm like just so livened up by, by the way that you talk with so much heart and mm. um, vulnerability. So yeah, if, if you want more of Caitlin and you want, and you'd like to be supported by her, how can, how can they work with you? Mm, yeah, thank you, Tanai. Thank you for those sweet words. Um, yeah, so I do one-on-one um, -on -one coaching, but then I also do two group programs. So I have one for women in relationships that's called Turning Towards. Um, so that is giving you tools to like come back into connection with your partner when you would typically like disconnect and turn away. Um, and then I also have a group program called Relationship Ready. And this is for um, that. Yeah, I'm actually just ending one right now. We have about two weeks left. Um, and that is for women who are single and would like to learn some tools, again, like communication, communication. Um, just different tools that they can use on their dating journey, holding the sensation, setting boundaries um, that they can use as, on their dating journey to to come back uh, or to find a partner to enter into a, a partnership. Cool. And you didn't mention this, but are you still doing breathwork sessions? Oh, yes. Yeah. Not as often. Okay. <laughs> I only mentioned that because I have a friend who worked with Caitlin and said that it changed her life. So I'm like, it needs to be mentioned because she said it was life changing. But if yeah, you're not doing them so often, then I I am. Yeah, thank you for mentioning them. I forgot. I usually do online classes uh, about once a month, and then okay. I'm also available to do one on one sessions. Cool, amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much tonight.